looking at my uh, grandchildren, I, I, um, I realize how precious it is to be naive, right? To not know all the things behind the scenes. I mean, he sits in their high chair and food comes, you know, just like that. I know this doesn't work for adults. I snuck downstairs one night, sat there. Nothing happened all night long, right? Nothing. Naively, sometimes we say, um, King of Heaven, come, right? But we know different now, don't we, beloved? The day of the Lord is going to be an amazing day. For those... For those who know Jesus, it is going to be a glorious, glorious day. Um, I was just praying with a woman who hadn't um, eaten or drank in about six days last evening. Her spirit couldn't respond. She recognized my voice. She could groan, um, but she couldn't speak. And... Um, so all we did was rehearse the glory that is to come, right? Rehearse the glory that is to come. But here's the deal. What is beautiful for those who know Jesus, what it, what is going to be glorious for those who have committed their life to him, when the very same token be very distressful for those who don't. So we say... Lord Jesus, come. But it is a double-edged sword. Amen. It is. So my prayer, when we finish Revelation, we only have a couple weeks left, my prayer is that at the end of our study, we will both have a glorious vision of our future, but also that we will have a glorious inspiration to take every moment of our earthly existence to declare his glory and to draw other people, right? We saw that earlier today. All we have to do is lift him up and he will draw all men and women to himself. Pray with me, would you? God, what a what a terrifying adventure this has been in this book of Revelation. What an incredible journey. And we have openly and humbly confessed to you, God, we both understand and retain a very small portion of this. Our great comfort is that your Holy Spirit never leaves us. When we committed our life to Jesus, your presence came to us in your Holy Spirit, and he is within us to to prompt us to, to moment by moment reveal the truth that is already in your word to us. God, as we draw near to the end of this, it is both a both a joyful time, especially today, God, the coming of Jesus. Uh, we have longed for this for 18 chapters, God. But God, at the same time, we know that um, there's still work to be done. There's still those who who have not responded in our even in our immediate uh, networks of relationships to the truth and the love of Jesus. And, and so we, we with, um, with joyful anticipation, await your coming. But at the same time, uh, God, we just ask that you would prepare a way so that everyone who you put on our hearts to share this wonderful, wonderful story, to share our story, to share your story with God, 
would open their heart to your word. And God, we're mindful that 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 we need to do that every day. Uh, you have a word for us today, and and we can um, uh, walk through this whole worship with closed hearts, or we can, by the grace of your Holy Spirit right now, open our hearts to you to receive what you would say to us. But sometimes we're distracted by the needs around us, our own needs, and I think of the many who are preparing or recovering from physical issues, God. I, I just pray that that your healing touch would be up upon us, that trusting in that healing touch, that we would be freed then to minister to the very people that are caring for us, that we could see every conversation as a divine appointment, God, that you have set apart to declare your glory. And God, especially to, uh, we, we remember those who are brokenhearted, who out of broken relationships with others, uh, God, um, struggle struggle to embrace each day. We pray that your healing touch would wash over us too. That we would find our identity so deeply entwined with yours that no matter what has happened to us, no matter what we have done, uh, God, that, that we could receive your mercy and grace and become a part of the solution, become a part of the healing as well. And God, especially, as always, I'm mindful today, even as our brother declares his commitment to you in the sacrament of baptism today, um, God, we're mindful of those who uh, are living in broken relationship with you. And we just pray uh, your mercy and grace while there's still time. Remove the distractions, God. Let the scales on our eyes fall from our faces and let us see and behold the glory of, of the living God, the glory of Jesus Christ, his son. And then, God, I pray that we could risk that baby step of faith that would bring restoration to our separation. Mm. Thank you, God, that you reveal yourself in ways we understand as a father longing for a, a deeper relationship with my bride. God, I, I understand your heart. As, as a father longing for a deeper relationship with my children and grandchildren, God, I understand your sincere desire to be in relationship with us. Move powerfully here today. Reveal yourself. Draw us to yourself. Let us hear what our worship team just prayed. Let us hear your voice saying to us, Come, come to me, all you who are thirsty. Oh, we love you, God. We pray your blessing now on your word as we open it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, our scriptures today are coming from a couple of different sources and, um, uh, though we're, we're taking a little bit smaller segment today than, than I've asked some of our guest preachers to take, um, uh, it's critical, it's critical words. We're going to go to two places. If you would go first to Revelation chapter 19. If you're just joining with us, in, um, Revelation is the last book of the Bible, and uh, you can find it on your phone if you just Google that, Revelation 19. Or uh, if you have your literal pages, which I encourage you, to be before you, uh, you can turn directly to the back of the book, 
Let me just say, as you're turning there, we're entering just an incredible season. Next week, we're going to deal with the thousand-year reign of Christ. It's going to open up issues of rapture. It's going to open up all kinds of issues of what what our role will be in the in the end time. And uh, and I just really want to encourage you on Father's Day to come come back and let's explore that today uh, together. Excuse me. But today we are um, we are finishing this amazing. A vision that John had after the judgments, after the seven seals, after the seven trumpets, after the seven bulls, after these three recapitulations of the judgment of God comes this incredible vision of God, of uh, Jesus Christ and of the bride of Christ. Remember that from last week? So we're picking it up today at, um, at verse 11. At verse 11, again, uh, Revelation 19, 1 through 5 was a vision of the living God. And, and, and going just to verse, uh, and going to verse 11 today, I don't want you to forget that. Don't forget what Kristen Weinsapple shared with us last week. Everybody looked at you and I said, Kristen, do you see that? Kristen Weinsapple shared the marriage supper of a lamb last week, right? And, and that sweet invitation of God. Blessed are those who have, are coming to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But look in verse 11. Look at this. Then, John says, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. A white horse. Right? We saw one in, in, what was that? Revelation 6, right? And, and we, and we were reminded at that time that, that, that Usually when you see someone come on a white horse, it's because it's a conqueror. And and the white horse of Revelation 6 was a symbol of the kingdoms of this world that were coming to conquer people, right? Now we've got another white horse, and we'll see later white horses. And, but on this horse is someone different. This is, this is completely different. Whereas the world came to conquer for their own purposes, now we see a new figure arise on a white horse. Let's see if we can figure out who he is, right? The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, in right relationships, he judges, but notice this as well, and makes war. He is the judge, but he's also a warrior. His eyes are like flames of fire. In other words, if you've ever met someone who could just penetrate you with that look, uh, virtually every mother in the room can do this. I know this. Sorry, Mom. Uh, but but with one glance, they can penetrate your heart. Why is it? <laughs> again, with this precious saint last night, I said, I'm not sure I'll recognize your body when I see you again. But I'll recognize your eyes. I will recognize your eyes, right? Um, with, with eyes like flames of fire. On his head were many, um, uh, ESB says diadems, literally crowns, right? As many crowns. Remember the cheap imitation we've seen in the last few weeks that all these kings of the earth and even the beast had many crowns, right? But, but all of them. Uh, fall in submission before this rider on his white horse. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. This is such a painful uh, verse for me because um, uh, of people that I love that have misinterpreted that that uh, those words to mean uh, 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 a false messiah. 
in this world right now, right? Oh, I can tell you his name, they say. I can tell you his name. And they will, they will give me the name of a person who is a false messiah, who even has died and their bones are in the ground again. And, and so, um, don't let the mystery of this name, right, confuse you. Why is this name a mystery? It's a mystery because the name represents the nature and character, right? Remember that from our studies? Your name represents who you are. That's why, um, that's why this one is so unfathomable. His name represents the depth and the richness of his character, and words cannot describe this, right? Words cannot describe. And he's, he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, is what ESV says. The actual word is, is probably translated splattered. Blood splattered robe, right? And the name by which he is called is Lagos, is the word of God, right? Who are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, you can say it. Jesus, right? <laughs> Brings a lot of cute stories, doesn't it, about the answer is usually Jesus. He is the word of God. Look at this. The armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen. This is Dave now um, trying to interpret this, but we just saw last week, it spelled out what fine linen is, right? The righteous deeds of the saints. Who are these armies? Not coming now in armor, right? Coming in linen. I don't know about you, but I would rather come in the armor of Ephesians 6 into battle, right? That would be true if we actually were the ones doing the fighting, right? But the armies of heaven are coming and help me, come back at me later, but all I can see is one weapon in this whole battle, right? One weapon, it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? It is the Word of God, a sword From his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. Oh my goodness. Um, Let me think. Isaiah 63, Isaiah 11, Psalm 2. These are direct allusions to the prophecies of the coming Messiah. If you want to say that again, Isaiah 63, Isaiah uh, um, 11, Psalm 2. Direct allusions to the same event right here, right? The coming of the Messiah. And he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? Um, Philippians, right? Uh, what, a, what, a, what a promise. That one day every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess in heaven and on earth. The King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel, John says, standing in the sun. And with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. Come, gather for the great supper of God. Now this is a bird supper, right? Those of you who have little little bird things outside your sliding glass door... 
Um, this is a bird supper. I love your pictures, Mary. Those are stunning uh, of the birds in their backyard. Um, this is a different kind of supper, right? This is a declaration ahead of time is what's going to happen with the enemies of God, right? And it's gruesome. Let's not, let's not make any bones about this. It's gruesome. He's describing carrion. He's describing vultures, um, picking at the bones of the enemies of God. It is not. That's why I said this, what looks so joyful for people that know Jesus is not joyful for those who don't. We live in that tension in these moments. One day that tension will be resolved, but we're not there yet. We're still on the front side of this where there's still work to be done, right? And then in verse 19, John says, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war on him who was sitting on a horse and against his army. And the beast was captured and with it, The other beast we know of as the false prophet, right, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who had worshipped its image. Forgive us if you've not been with us in this journey, but we described in depth what would happen, right, when these two, uh, this Antichrist and the false prophet together caused so much pain, so much bloodshed for the people of God, right, Now God is acting, right? These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. This is our first introduction here to the lake of fire. Um, But for all those who say, well, you know, I don't don't really choose to do Jesus. I'm just going to take my chances with death. Let's not make any bones, uh, beloved. Um, it's hard. It's a hard word. But um, Scripture is very clear that there is a place of eternal punishment. And it's called the lake of fire. And the first two thrown in that lake of fire, we're going to see next week that Satan has not yet been thrown into it, um, are his, his um, antichrist and his false prophet. These figures, possibly symbolic of every Antichrist that has lived from the time of Jesus till now, but but very apparently there's going to be a summation, the ultimate Antichrist, the ultimate false prophet who comes and and they will be thrown into this place of eternal punishment unless we make any mistake. Um, I'm not a fire and brimstone kind of guy, right? Um, but this is fire and brimstone. And, and those who succumb to the Antichrist. Now again, there may be an ultimate Antichrist, but the Antichrist is here in many forms right now. Those who succumb to the Antichrist, those who believe the false testimony of the false witness, who receive the mark of the beast, however that expresses itself, the rest were slain, he says, by the sword that came from the mouth, uh, of him who sits on the horse and all the birds gorged on their flesh. Their, the, their bodies will lie unburied. And that's the ultimate, the ultimate insult. The ultimate insult to a human being is to let their body rot right there. But don't make no mistake. Their souls will not cease to exist. There are many who would tell you we just stop existing. The Bible has no understanding of that. 
every soul is eternal. Right? The question is not whether our souls are eternal. The question is where will our souls spend eternity? Right? And where will the souls of those whom we love spend eternity? I'm, I'm, I'm prompted right here. You can't do this. Only the Spirit of God can change someone's heart. But you can witness. You can tell your story. You can tell his story, right? And, and, and pray that God in his mercy would reveal himself. I love it when my wife prays. Um, she has that little girl voice, right? And she just cries out to Jesus. And God has just put on her heart for our family members who don't yet know him. And, and uh, that we can do. We can pray. Powerful weapon in the arsenal of God. And we can share our story. We can share his story. So let me pick up the outline. If you're following our outline today, um, what's clear from... I'm going to go ahead and pass right now on the, the Second Peter one, but would you make note of that? And open it up. It'll give you very practical ways to live in this in-between time. But I want to stay with our Revelation passage for a moment and say, what do we learn from this? What do we learn? First of all, that God has from the very beginning of time been orchestrating all of history to display his glory. If you do not understand this, then you're going to be confused about, about the way that God moves. You're going to be confused about the things that you see. But, but Revelation, the testimony of Revelation is that all of God's story is the story of him orchestrating history for the display of his glory. Chief purpose of man, right? To, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Westminster Shorter Catechism, right? So, so God is moving everything. And all these things that we have not understood, we will understand someday. When we see, uh, either should God allow us to be walking the face of this earth when these things come to pass, or certainly from our perspective with him in heaven when we see these things happening. But secondly, not only is God orchestrating history, but he's also ordaining people. He's setting apart people to behold his glory. To behold his glory. What we see in Revelation 19 is the end of history from heaven's perspective. From heaven's perspective. In, in the fall of Babylon, we saw the end, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we saw the end of history from humans' perspective, right? Now we're seeing it from a heavenly perspective. And what do we see? We saw two weeks ago people falling down before God. The, the 24 elders, we saw people just falling down in worship of the living God, right? And, and then last week we saw, we heard this sweet invitation. To join this, this celebration, this marriage feast of the Lamb. Let me just say, if we're going to worship God like heaven worships God, right? If we're going to do that, then we need to see God the way that heaven sees God. I think about all the false representations of God that people have. Um, all these false images of who he is. Well, I'm going to just summarize because we saw it two weeks ago. What does that mean for us? It means, like in Revelation 
19, 1 through 5, that we're going to bow before the splendor of God. We are going to fall before him. Do you remember that, that weird passage last week? Kristen winds up will help us understand as well. When, when John fell before the angel, right? What did the angel say? Don't fall before me. Don't fall before him. Fall before the glory of God. Do not confuse. And it, it just was such a reminder how we confuse what we worship, right? And, he, and I find myself falling prey to this all the time. I'm confused about what I'm worshiping. And, and I'm, I think I'm worshiping God and I'm actually worshiping the world or my own self, right? Don't be confused. Let's bow before the splendor of God the Father. He is victorious. Amen. He is glorious. Say amen after every, every adjective, would you? He is glorious. He's omnipotent. He is just. He's eternal. He's mighty. He's sovereign. Amen. That was just from Revelation 9, 1, 19, 1 through 5. Right? But today we took a step further, right? We not only bow before the splendor of God the Father, but we also behold the supremacy of Jesus Christ, the Son. I know that's theological language, but there's nothing higher than supreme, right? Sorry, I just had a vision of Taco Bell burrito, but, but there is something higher than a Taco Bell burrito supreme. There is nothing... Sorry, I rebuke me. There is nothing worthy of worship than... The supremacy of Christ, the Son. Listen to the words. You're going to recognize them from our passage today. He is faithful and true. Amen. Amen. He is a righteous judge. A little lame. He is the righteous judge. Yes. He is the messianic warrior. He sees all, knows all, and judges all. There are many crowns upon his head. Amen. There's such mystery, even to his nature and character. Amen. He conquers God's enemies. Got an amen on that one. Yeah. We need that, don't we? He is the very revelation of God's word. Amen. Amen. So we have before us God, the Father. We have before us Jesus Christ, the Son. Jesus rules all the nations of the world. As we saw last week, he brings God's wrath upon the world, upon sinful men and women, yeah? But you saw today also upon satanic agents and ambassadors. Ultimately, in a couple weeks, he's going to bring it upon Satan himself, Jesus did this. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Would you say that with me? He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. So what do we do? Again, Second Peter 3 is going to give you some very practical things to do. Just make a note. It should be listed at the top of your, of your um, bulletin notes. But, but just from the Revelation passage today, let's revere him. Let's revere him. So many times I've encountered people that said, I, I believe in God. i just not sure I believe in his son. Revelation will not allow us to do that. 
Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? Let's revere rather than revile him. I don't know if I'm out of school, but I know our women's, one of our women's groups was meeting and they accidentally sent out a note, um, we got garbled the number, right? Sent a message to, uh, intending to send it to one of the women in the group and it apparently went somewhere else. And, uh, and oh my goodness, the response, um, the satanic response to that email. We can revere him or we can revile him. But it's got to be one or the other, right? Got to be one or the other, okay? But secondly, um, and, and I hope you understand, I hope at this point you've come to the point where really worship is not this terrible experience, it's this joyful thing, right? And so let me just express that clearly. Say, let's rejoice in him. Let's find joy in this truth, right? That all things are possible for God, right? There's never a moment when one of those people that we're concerned about, when, when God is not able, let's rejoice in his abilities. Let's rejoice in his story, right? Let's find our deepest joy. So many, so many things are giving me joy this season in my life. And that's a direct result, by the way, of your prayers. You guys have prayed my family through so many different things over these years. And and I know that there will be hardship to come in the future. But, but this has just been a season of joy, right? It's been a season of joy. Let's live into the joy rather than into all those other things. And lastly, let's be ready for his coming. We can't separate today's passage from last week's passage, the marriage supper of the Lamb. What was the overarching message of that of that story? Be ready, right? Remember, Kristen took us to Matthew 25 and the parable of the virgins, right? Be ready. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Now, in a certain extent, none of us are ready. Like John will fall on our faces before the living God. But being ready for the events that we're studying today means being in right relationship with Jesus, which means simply confessing with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I just make one more point. Did you see what happened with those armies dressed in white when they came with Jesus, right? Well, I'm jumping ahead. They reigned on earth with him for a thousand years. If we can revere him, if we can rejoice in him, if we can be ready for him, we will also reign with him. Andrew and Brent, would you come up and join me here? Worship team, would you slide on up as well? Wow, what a great privilege it is to um, to stand in different seasons of our life. Come on up, Brent. Um, to stand in different seasons of our life and to declare our faith in God. Come on over here if you would, brother.
Today we are so privileged. Would you help us? Um, we are so privileged to celebrate the sacrament of baptism today. And and what a sacrament is, as we said at the beginning, is both a sign, it's an outward sign, it's a proclamation to the world about our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But then in that very same moment, it's also a seal of that. In other words, it's like God saying, I know you haven't yet seen the fulfillment of this, but it is certain to happen. It is certain to happen. Brent, today, God marks you as his child. You have had an incredible journey of faith, have you not, over these past years. Can you take just a moment and, and share with us a couple, a couple uh, highlights of that journey? of my life that I was not a Christian. In fact, um, a friend gave me a book yesterday, very coincidentally, that was entitled uh, I Was a Pagan. And after having read the first two pages, I can say for certainty I was a pagan. Thank you. Thank you, brother. (laughs) And um, so at my age 62, God chose that time. Don't know why He chose that time to make me a Christian. And the way He chose to do that is I was working as an engineer in Bellingham, Washington, in the Northwest. And I had a boss who was also my dear friend, who was just a, a magnificent man. Um, he really stood out. civic duties, but most of all, he was uh, a Christian, and he loved Jesus beyond anything else. It was clear. He loved uh, Jesus, he loved the church, he loved his family, and he loved everyone he knew. And so that didn't make me a Christian right off, just knowing him, but I'm just taking notes on him. No pressure, everybody. <laughs> and then when his name was Larry, one day Larry went home from work and held a Bible study in his home, posted a Bible study. And then he went to bed and then he died. And that was a real gut punch to me and everyone that knew him. By the way, at his memorial service, there were 1,600 people in attendance. Wow. But that definitely got me thinking that, uh, and I think the Holy Spirit came to me and said, time to think about this (laughs) and and consider Christianity. Uh, But I said, okay, Holy Spirit, how do I do this? Mm. And I was told to go read the Bible. That makes sense. Um, I took the Bible, and I thought I should probably turn to the New Testament. And there was Matthew. And I read Matthew. I was especially impressed by the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. 
by the time I came to the end of Matthew, I was about up to my knees and the whole thing. And then I didn't know where to go, but the Holy Spirit directed me to read the Gospel of John, which I did, and then just continued right into Acts and finished that. And I can honestly say at the end of that, I believed. I truly believed. I, I was then a Christian. And some years went, I'll put an extra on this, some years went by before I went to a church, and then I moved to uh, Bellingham. And God, God picked out a house for me right next to Christie and <laughs> Rick French. And one day, Christy and I met on the front lawn, and Christy kind of like, how are you? Do you want to come to church with me on <laughs> Sunday? And I was ripe for that, and so here I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Brent. Um, what, so many illustrations. So you, you told me I was supposed to say, does anyone else have a story? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I did. <laughs> Thank you for exposing me. Yeah. You're welcome. But they didn't hear you. Say it one more time. <laughs> Does anyone else have a story like this? You're awesome, brother. Thank you. Thank you. You and you, you know how much courage that took to do that. And um, because um, someone not only verbalized the story to you, but then lived it out in your presence, then God used even his death to bring life. Yeah. Because someone else cared enough about their next door neighbor <laughs> to walk over and say, "How would you like to come with me?" Yeah. And she lives in Evansville, by the way, not Bellingham, but but that's okay. Why? Well, I, yeah, I said I moved to Evansville. <laughs> we know. We know. I know. Well, um, real quick, our brother has a couple oh, of critical, oh, couple quick questions for you. Okay, don't trip over the cord. Okay, step back just a little bit, if you would. You can hold on to that if you like. All right. Yeah, it's a privilege of mine having had the opportunity to see you already live the answers to these questions to ask him of you this morning. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and depend on him alone for your salvation as he is offered in the gospel? Yes, I do. Do you now promise and resolve in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? Yes, I will. Do you promise to serve Christ and his church by supporting and participating with this congregation in service of God and its ministry to others to the best of your ability? Yeah, I do. May God bless you. I agree with Andrew. Andrew is your small group leader, is that right? You yeah. meet in his home? One. Yeah. One of them. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're in several small groups. Um, oh, may God bless you richly, Brent, as you live out this uh, covenant before God. Congregation, I have a question for you and those of you who are uh, friends and members or friends and guests as a part of the body of Christ, you're, feel free to respond as well. Do we, as members of this congregation, and in the name of the visible church of our Lord Jesus Christ, Take responsibility for our brother, for his continued nurture and care.
promising to set a godly example by our life to pray for him and his family, the prayer of faith, to uh, encourage him as the Lord would give us unction, to encourage him daily, do we? It is my great privilege. I'm going to have you stand right here for just a second, a little closer. Um, It is my great privilege, brother, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which you have just reaffirmed. You want to take your glasses off? That might be a good idea. Because I'm going to mess with you. Okay? I can get my hearing aids clean. I hope not. I better better behave myself. He's got hearing aids. Um, To baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Would you reach out toward our brother? Oh, God, thank you so much for Brent. Thank you for um, his transparency. God, for as long as we have known him, to be open-hearted, to risk having his perspectives on who you are and what you're calling and what you're asking of him changed. God, to have him courageously before his wife, before his granddaughters to live out the Christ life. Oh God, we just pray right now that you would bless him richly, that the sincere desire of his heart would be realized. That God, um, for every breath that you give him, that you would cause Jesus Christ to be lifted up. And we will give you the praise, God. We will give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.